Boyo fucking alert. How you doing, people? Jimothy, rip that plaster off quick. Just let get me through this spud lad dramatic moment. <laughs> I like just make it happen. I like I want to see this fast. I'm sick of this abuse. So go on. Well, if you remember on. the rules from last time, then uh, you oh, have to read now. out. No, 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 no. You, you have to read out all the text. Give me a second. Slowly and dramatically as you possibly can. Okay. All oh, right, all right, right. I can do that. All right, sweet. Okay. Going in. Here we go. A long, long time ago, in an Irish village far, far away. So we return to Spudlad's gravesite. The sun has gone down. It's Halloween night. All is still. And then look, Stefan, look what happened. Yeah, I see it, yeah. Oh, no. There's a Spud coming to life. (laughs) Oh, my God. He's come back from the dead. He's like Jesus Christ, but deformed and ugly and Irish. (laughs) Jesus Christ was Irish, man. Did you never hear that he died and then he came to Ireland afterwards? He, yeah, so he, the Holy like, Trinity is a shamrock. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, you know, like, you think that's an accident, man? Jesus, Lord. Hmm. Well, we'll slap my butt. Do you think Irish people talk like this? <laughs> <laughs> well, slap my bum and call me a Brit. What in the bleeding fuck happened there? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's good. I must, uh, I must take revenge on my mama. <laughs> we don't say mama. Like, we, like where, do you think we're from like South Texas Irish people? Sure. Go back there. I must take revenge on my mama. <laughs> my pops. No, James, get me to write what, this. What, 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 what are mothers and fathers meant to be? Is it mommy and daddy? No, Jesus Lord. You've got to do your research. You're insulting us all here. This is, this is um, cultural cultural blasphemy or something like that i must take revenge on ma and pa oh ma and pa okay mom and dad or mom and dad for allowing my spud soul to die sure i will now fucking let christ lad it <laughs> like laddie do you ever hear anybody in go oh, you're right there laddie sure i will now Arr, like is that that's probably some a word to you that Irish people say as well. Arr, arr, you know, there are. Yeah. Arr, 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 well, uh, time for me to be a man. All right. Go oh, on. time for me to be a man. So later that day in the pub, and here we are, his mum and dad are sitting in the pub. <laughs> I... <laughs> the collective unconscious of the Irish man releases itself, releases itself with fury and, and profound wisdom. Like Moses took the, the Hebrew collective unconscious and got the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, laddie. <laughs> the Irish man says, I like drink. <laughs> but what happens here? What happens here? Oh, no. What happened there? <laughs> it's, Hollywood. it's a Hollywood level. Son, what in the bloody... F- <laughs> What in the bleeding fuck are you playing at, you feckin' idiot? All right, that's better. Daddy, 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 I've come to slay you. Oh, yeah, that's how we talk. <laughs> Hello, dear da, I've come to slay you. The time has come. <laughs> Dude, these are so bad. Like the, the quality of dialogue is like a two-year-old. I've come to slay you. And then just the big dramatic moment, he's like, no, <laughs> listen to Papa. Papa. <laughs> listen to, listen to Dada, Dada Luke. <laughs> listen to your owl lad. Don't slay your dear, dear owl. <laughs> it's not Papa. Don't slay your dear owl lad. Your fucking cretin is loud as shit. <laughs> cretin is loud as shite. All right, go on. Oh, dying over here. Ah, she dying. <laughs> you shut the fuck up, daddy. Young told me to do it. All right, all right. Oh, and there he goes. He died. Where did the sword come from? Where did the new sword come from? Wait a second. There's <laughs> plot holes, man. I'm finding plot holes. I know this is a masterwork, but I'm finding plot holes. Now your turn, mummy. Time to taste my potato sword of freedom. All right. <laughs> no, me wee lad. Why must you kill me in the pub? You'll spoil the Guinness. <laughs> Eat my spud cakes, you foul wench of darkness. Oh, and there we go. So he slayed the great mother too. I am free of the great mother and the great father. Thank you, young, for showing me the way. But in a dramatic moment of sadness. 
But what was all of it for? <laughs> what was all of it for indeed? What was all of it for indeed? And that's the question that we're going to be answering today. You got to, so that was obviously uh, what we're going to be covering in the next lecture, which is all about how to become a hero. The birth of the hero. Have you got any thoughts on heroes or spuds or Ireland at all, Stefan? Before we, well, like, I'm going to put on this. my Freudian face here, and I'd I'd like to psychoanalyze the products of your unconscious through your your art, through what you make. I'd, I I have very deep suspicions about some type of complex you might possess, where you feel inferior to the Irish people, and you see us as these magical outskirt people, and you, you, you want to absorb our potent vital energy by, by mimicking us, by, by, by trying to understand us. I think, to be honest, no, I can't say that. That's too rude. All right, keep going. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a case of honoring you, really, because I do have a bit of the Irish collective unconscious within me, being half Irish, but I've so, never seen an Irishman behave as badly as you did here. It's kind so of disgusting, you, would, you, you would call this honoring the Irish folk. All right. <laughs> well, it's kind of, kind of a dramatic tale, isn't it? It's like something that you'd pass down to your children, the dramatic tale of Spud Lad and how he murdered everyone in the pub. Yes, yes. Tell, me, tell me more about this Freudian child. All right, go ahead. Walk us through the birthday hero. There's people here who probably want to get serious knowledge out of this. So they better, they better be ready. Tell us All what's right. going on. We're going to get into some serious knowledge. So obviously last time we covered um, the beginning of the book and the idea of how consciousness it sort of germinates from the self and what that looks like for a child uh, up through puberty and what that looks like for, we'll say, quote unquote, more primitive individuals. But today we're going to be covering that stage in development in the human past and um, as a human develops when the ego becomes its own thing. So the idea of a hero, technically speaking, is an ego that has separated itself from the self. Or in other words, you now exist as an individual. So there are there, when you become self-conscious, so like Spudlad here, he represents the ego. And rather than seeing his surroundings as the Ouroboros like we covered last time, just a, just a, mix, a mystical mix of the world and himself and everything else, he suddenly realizes it's made of four different parts. Where you've got a mama and a dada, a mama and, and a pops. What was it? A mummy daddy? How would you say in Ireland? A ma and a da. A ma and, and a da. Okay, okay. So he's got a ma and a da, but also a great ma and a great da. They're sort of two separate characters. So we actually have both of those ideas in our mind at the same time, where you can take mum and dad and then you can abstract them into masculine as such and feminine as such. So they're two consistent energies across mankind. So in, in the beginning, when you start to become uh, self-conscious of things, you can see this germinate, for example, in Greek mythology. You have the idea of the, of the hero who has a mystical goddess mother or a powerful great man father. So they seem to be intermelded with one another before we reach sort of, we'll say, modernity, which Neumann would say, I guess, began around the time of, of Christ, that you could, you could say. So the, when, when you have mothers in this particular stage, generally they're considered to be virgins. So the idea of virginity is absolutely huge throughout human history. And we like to look back on things like that with our modern lens and go, well, that's just depressing whamming. It's like, no, what virginity means, it's actually the most feminist thing you can think of because virginity symbolizes that which does not belong to a man. So it's actually feminine energy as such abstracted out from the masculine completely. So which is why, oh, of course, you have yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's independent of everything else, which is why you had the Virgin Mary, for example, who begot Christ by the great father, not an actual literal man. And in this stage of human history, because of this, we would have a matriarchy. So today you could classify things broadly, and I hate using this term, but broadly as a patriarchy, where generally speaking, men are the ones in positions of power. You can argue that with terms of the queen. You can argue that with like Angela Merkel in Germany. But generally speaking, it has been a patriarchy. And there is a reason for that. Back in the past, when we were still germinating out of the self and becoming more aware of ourselves, as it will be clear in a little bit, we were still matriarchal because we were still mostly unconscious. So the women and the feminine rule the unconscious world, where the men were still very not manly, you could say. They weren't going out into the world and hunting and fighting. They were still sort of mixing together and living within the realm of the great mother. So there's something interesting that takes place at this period of time. Now, this is, this is a beautiful image. The, uh, the Salvatore Spudley or something yeah, very, like that. I can't remember its real famous. title. Very famous. So obviously this is meant to be the Virgin Mary with its, with its son. But what men realized before they broke away from the feminine, you could say, or ego consciousness before it broke away from the feminine, 
is they, they carried out something called participation mystique, which is a fancy word, a fancy Latin word, I believe, for meaning I identify with my surroundings around me. And Neumann emphasized this an awful lot. Um, Jung picked up, a, it's a really weird story with this term, actually, a quick aside. Jung picked up on this term participation mystique from another earlier psychologist. Uh, and then because Jung picked up on it, the, that psychologist then was like, it's a bullshit idea. And he threw it away because Jung was under so much critique. But so, so you, you believe that you are part of your surroundings, but you're not. And so this is where masculinity comes in. So men begin when they're, you know, in their teenage years, in their early 20s, they have a desire to break away from their mums and to break away from the feminine, to break away from the home. And what they do is they go out and form men's groups. This is what men have always, always done. And so this is an example of a men's group. This is where heroes can be born. And the reason the for this... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is one of the most James, let's set up radical a men's, men's group. Groups. This is a men's group. Let's set up a men's group. This would be class. <laughs> well, the men's groups have been so incredibly important for the development of the masculine ego. So it can be groups of women too, but this is mostly for men because that's what we've seen over, over the course of human history, where, where men would band together and then they would strengthen each other's self-consciousness through stuff like initiation, right? I'd like, like, to, like I'd like to drop in with stuff here. Is like, this is a good time? Go for it. If, if you read out this quote, because this might be, might be useful to what you're going to say, and then, yeah, go riff. Everywhere these men's societies are of the greatest importance, not only for the development of masculinity and of the man's consciousness of himself, but for the development of culture as a whole. So we live in an age of democracy. We believe that everybody has a free and tender soul, and we believe that everybody is an individual and everybody has uh, deserves all these rights and everybody deserves the right to vote and of course a thing that people don't like to hear very much is that democracy was somewhat premised on the idea that the man would go and fight in war and that's how he would earn his vote it was almost like a trade in some sense i would mm. risk my life to have a say and of course if you go back to many of the people who started our democracies the the attitude wasn't so much like oh we'll give everybody We'll give everybody a vote. Like you go to America. It's not, it's, they weren't really thinking everybody. They're sort of thinking more along the lines of, all right, what we'll do is we'll give all the property-owning married men votes. That type of attitude. And then you go back to ancient Greece here. And um, I, I might have brought this up in the last lecture, actually. I'm not too sure. Did I? Did, tell me if I have. But mm -hmm. the thing about being a man with an emperor is that you can have this like vast um set of slaves almost like the this unconscious mass of slaves that you have one egoic emperor who like casts them like zombies around the world like persia in leonidas i'm bringing this up because of this thing and the reason i guess why we idolize the greeks so much is because what they did is they discovered a way of fighting that was very imbalanced it was very much like Alexander the Great. Alexander could charge on the Persian hordes, even though he was far outnumbered, but still win because he was like more energetic and smart. And so the Greeks could create a phalanx. Phalanx is this formation where you get all the shields, highly disciplined. Do you, do you know the scene in this where he, um, Leonidas shows up with his friends and um, with the, the, the local tribes that are going to help him out? And they're like, bro, you've only got like 300 soldiers. Mm. And then he turns around and he's like, what, what is a soldier? What is your profession? in a Scottish accent, mate. What is your profession? And he's, he's like, uh, I do, uh, I'm a blacksmith. And then he's like, what's your profession? It's like, I'm a doctor or whatever. And he turns around to the people behind him and he's like, what is your profession? And they all just scream out Aru. And he's like, I've brought more soldiers than you have. And it's that type of idea that they train for this. You get a small group of 300 people, a warrior elite who know how to fight. They'd be able to funnel in these little phalanxes these phalanxes were so effective that they could take on armies just disgustingly huge compared to them. Like this, this sort of Leonidas Persian story wasn't so out of the blue. Maybe it wasn't millions, but you'd be looking at like magnitudes of perhaps tens, perhaps hundreds, because this big undisciplined horde, once they charge up against this and, and literally get murdered wave after wave, they'd eventually give up. They're not fighting for anything. And so in some sense, though the Persian emperor could have, have this, this, this rulership over this group of people, it's very, very hard for you to step into this phalanx and turn around to all the other boyos and be like, guys, I am the emperor over all of you. And they'd be like, 
all of us are pretty important here. Like no one, like these 300 people are a big deal. Each single person is so fundamental that without any of us having an equal say, it all falls apart. And so in some sense, the development of the idea of like Republic unity, the, the development, of the idea of like, we're all in this together and we all have rights in that type of sense came from the unbelievable shared responsibility and the power of their war in order to get all that stuff. And it's like what you're saying when you're, you're talking about how we stretch out of the unconscious in towards these things that we consider higher virtues. Now they, they came from a lower place. Like you could almost look at the Persians. The Greeks did look at the Persians as almost feminine. They have this unconscious horde of mass of slaves that aren't really people in some sense. And these guys, they all form this, this highly advanced um, almost like divinely masculine spiritual group that is very vibrant and powerful. It's small, but it's precise and powerful in some sense. And I think that's a good example of what it means to be ma masculine and an individual is that you stand alone. You, you're generally like the experience of life is that the universe is big and empty and you're this tiny speck. The experience of humanity is that the universe is big and empty and you're this tiny speck. And the experience mm. of being a man is that there's this huge, big vista of feminine world like this outside world and then you're there trying to individuate and even like society and, and great people and all that and so isolation singular, like being being alone being separate and all that these are very much masculine things and they take a certain type of reaching out of the unconscious as you're saying or reaching out of the feminine as you're saying or reaching out of nature as you're saying it's a super interesting concept yeah, and that's absolutely spot on because as you stand alone, you realize you are alone. So you can think of it psychically just from the idea of a diagram of the psyche, I guess you could say, where the ego crystallizes itself and moves away from the self. And what that means out of the fancy nomenclature is you become an individual. You aren't protected by things. You stand up against your fears and your insecurities and you stand up and you're willing to risk your life. You're willing to risk suffering because what marks self-consciousness is suffering. As we were saying last time, that what marks the Adam and Eve story, for example, it marks tons of world mythology. Then you can't do that if you're a little boy. And so before you join a men's group, essentially, before you have a larger cause to fight for alongside other men, little boys and little girls are all exactly the same thing. You know, up, and, up until puberty or so, you can't really tell them the difference in terms of temperament. So that was a, that was a quote that, you, that we read out. Neumann stresses very heavily that men need to be in groups. Of course, it's something which is frowned upon today. and It's a meme that's been done to death, but we have to say it again. Men have to club together. And I guess that's kind of what we're doing, Stefan, on the Discord that we're trying to do. Is in the very beginning when we first started that, it was like all men. And then it continued being all men until fairly recently where a few beautiful women have stepped out of the sidelines. But men have that instinct to break away and join with other men to, to make themselves better. It's our instinct. It's our will to self-consciousness, if you like. So over time, men and women start getting more and more differentiated as a, as a species, as groups, and as individuals as well. So you can tell a man by how masculine he is and a woman by how feminine she is. So over time, this gets abstracted in the form of dreams. So this is Archangel Michael here, which is just a very beautiful photograph. Men and the masculine spirit gets abstracted as heaven. And heaven is the realm of law and order. And so that was men's jobs. They would maintain law and order. They would be the providers. They would be the protectors. All the things you see in a traditional family, mm -hmm. that is what men would be. Whereas women, on the other hand, would represent earth and mother nature. She was the womb. She was the caretaker. So you can actually see them becoming separate. So as we have that schema in the beginning with the four parents, you have your two parents and they're distinct, but you also become aware of two other parents. You have the heavenly father and you have the earthly mother. And so what men do in order to make sure that they join this spirit of the heavenly father, which they have a calling to do, they do things like initiation rites, which is hugely, hugely powerful and useful to do. They will go out into the wilderness by themselves. They will fight against tiredness. They will inflict pain on themselves. They will band together as groups against nature. And nature is that. So in many ways, masculinity has to have a war on the feminine within themselves and outside of themselves to protect themselves from the feminine. That's the idea. And so the modern day version of initiation rituals, we still see them today, but it's quite degenerate. You have these, these drinking games, which for men, and it is usually men, they basically test themselves in forms of endurance. How much can you drink and still take it? And drink, right. alcohol, is a, um, it's puts you to, to sleep. It lowers your consciousness. So it's a feminine thing for you to do. If you want to represent beer, 
as a mythological thing. So they're saying, how much of this can you take and still keep going? Which, you know, is, is an excuse to drink Carling, like this Northern boy is doing. Could I, um, could I Freudian read this? Like you, the fact that you chose this specific picture? Can no. I like read into this like Freud? No, you can't. <laughs> um, I've, I've lost the say in all this you just said there. Like you've, you've brushed over some pretty huge abstractions that, my God, you can dig, dig, dig down into. So again, to, to lean on that idea that we were talking about Leonidas and all that, to thematically continue. People think that, like, we, we think we have these rights, but obviously, like, rights come from responsibility. They are backed up by putting your life on the line. Now, what's so interesting is the idea of stuff like privacy, freedom, space, and um, creative power, ownership. Like, think about where you live in the world. You live in, like, I live in a city, for example. I remember when I first came up here, it was, it was an awful struggle just to pay rent. It was an awful struggle just to find, like I wanted to practice music and it was very hard for me to just get space where I could be alone and work in my thing, you know? It was very, very difficult to do that. It was very, very hard to find just a, a, a private space for me to cultivate myself, for me to build a plan, build a strategy, build a skill to attack the world with, you know? And then the privilege of, of masculinity, the, the goal of masculinity in some sense is you want that type of space you want that type of privacy most importantly you want freedom you don't want to live in a place where like for example i, I would be with a housemate or something like that and they'd annoy me they do something that's annoying and this would always click into my head i was being like it was almost like like you could get into this big like crazy dramatic argument like a soap opera or something like that but at the same time like part of me was like the you you're in these because you're not working hard enough to get your own space where you don't have to have people around who, who piss you off you the reason why you're here is because you have to sort of deal with the, the 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 like you have to deal with what's given to you you don't you don't get to choose you don't get to create you don't get to set the agenda in some sense you don't have freedom and it made me realize quite early on is that like freedom's not a given you know freedom is something that you you craft into the world and even in our modern free world like you're still you're still under the 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 onus of meritocracy and, and responsibility and whatnot as well and so becoming a man is in some sense a quest for freedom and that in the past would have been like run out into nature kill like you know the, the more food you could kill initially was just like that's how you get that's how you get freedom then it becomes the more people you can kill is how you get better freedom more freedom and now it it's abstracted into like the, you know something like money well i get it pretty much in the modern world it's like how much money can you make that will fundamentally determine your freedom mm. people don't like that but if we're going to be realistic if we're going to look sit as men inside a, a and a together so me and you band together we're like all right look and listen both of us want freedom so let's try get a decent amount of freedom between the two of us and then we sit down together and we're like what's the reality we don't we don't moralize we don't we don't think oh what, what would i like it to be we think what's the game we're playing and what's the goal and you're like oh fuck oh we need we need cash for freedom that's funnily the way the world works and then people come into this and they're like no it should be a different way i want freedom in a different way and it's like well should we go back to when we were killing everybody like how how does that work mm -hmm. and then like never mind getting into the, the ideas of, of noble money making such as providing value getting value back win-win and all that stuff but it's these type of attitudes the way men we get pushed towards it's like how do i how do I individuate and get that freedom? And that's what I think individuation would mean is that knowing why you, why you deserve to be separate because always you're getting pulled back into the mold. There's always this constant inertia, constant dragging down into, into unconsciousness, as you were saying. And those trials, those initiations are very, very interesting in that sense. Like, um, people are trying to pull you like your the energy is trying to pull you out of this separateness this spaceness this ability to think clearly and be separate and that's um that's a great struggle that's a great struggle like you're always getting pulled even through stuff like social interactions you know people will say stuff like uh like they'll say stuff the signals that you're supposed to respond in the correct way like <laughs> donald trump bad or, or Hillary Clinton bad, or soy boys bad, or, or like, you know, communism bad, or something like that, or capitalism bad, like, or Bernie Sanders bad, it'll all be that type of stuff, it'll be like signaling to you, this is how you're supposed to perceive the world to be part mm -hmm. of us, 
and if for you to turn around and be like i disagree i i no i do not believe that is is saying i will conflict you here i don't care if we're separate i don't even care if we fight i am different and i have no need to fear you i have the power not to fear you and you'll see that a lot now is that like people can't speak up because they feel if they speak up they'll lose the power to they'll lose the power to um to have a job to have an income and all that and so people shut up and then they get absorbed into the mass the mass grows bigger and more powerful because people don't stand against it and things like the law like free speech laws and all that were put into place to protect the masculine energy when it stood up and spoke against whatever it was just protecting that energy because it understood it and the more we and this is why it's so sacred like you look at jesus and socrates like these 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 stories are fundamentally about men who get killed by the state for telling the truth and that's that's just wrong and the more you look at that the more you see that game pulled away the more you see how masculine it is first of all to do it like you can, you think of masculinity as like this, you know, juicy, steroided up void head. But no, the, the fundamentally most masculine thing you can think of is confronting the feminine in that level of risking yes. getting eaten alive by the, the, the giant society that you're all around. So these are very, very interesting themes. And I think to try and make it practical in the modern world, like you're going to confront that question of how do you make your words real? And how do you tell the truth? And do you have the freedom, the power to back it up? Because if you don't, like if you have a job where you're vulnerable to that, you're in, you're in a seriously difficult spiritual position because you'll be made compromise on your heart for the sake of cash, of freedom. And that's a hard one. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Beautiful words there. Beautiful. I'm going to ask you to read Thank out these, these quotes because Neumann gets quite masculine intense. He turns into the golden one after a while. Can I, uh, can I do it in the Irish voice, eh? Are you laddie sure you fucking can now? Hey, keeping awake and the endurance of fear, hunger and pain go together as essential elements and fortifying the ego. Keeping awake, the, keeping awake and the endurance of fear, hunger and pain go together as essential elements and fortifying the ego and schooling the will. The criterion of manliness is an undaunted will. The ready ability to defend the ego and consciousness should need arise master one's unconscious impulses and challenge yes so all that stuff is basically saying is the definition of being a man is to fight off the feminine and the unconscious now this also applies to women too so women have um this is where the the nomenclature get fuzzy but women can also be incredibly masculine if they do the same thing where they say no to all the things that are trying to suck them back so if a woman was to stand up just as much as as a man and say, you know, and speak the truth against a group, that would be a very masculine behavior to do. Although she could still be a beautiful, pretty woman. So, and there are some strange examples here. So keeping awake and the endurance of fear. It's like, why? Because they come from the unconscious. Sleep, as we said last time, is always trying to pull you back down. So the masculine spirit goes, I'm never sleeping again. You will never have me again. Which is absolutely insane because the feminine always wins in the end. Always wins. It's just something to consider. So this is a picture yes. from. Um, well, you want to say something? I was just going to speak briefly on women. This is this is this is. Oh just please, give give us your like, wisdom on women. This is going to go down like a fucking treat now. Because you're cup saying of cold that, um, sick, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So um, people often ask about the animus. Like, well, what's a woman's animus, man? Like, never mind what's a man's anima, but like, what's a woman's animus? And I, again, mm. I hate jargon and I, I, I'm very careful when people like younger certain stuff. I'm like, I don't want to just read all the te- the terms and all that and try to figure it out. And then when people say like, women can be manly, it's like, this sounds like a, a lot of nonsense at this point, <laughs> but you can think of it in the sense, I, I think this is a very interesting one is that you, you can model the feminine as like, you know, think of a very feminine girl and she's just like, like absolutely she just melts into whoever's reality she's around so she's talking to you she's smiling and she's nice and then she goes on to this other guy and she's talking to you she's smiling and she's nice she just never want to you know she just wants to get on with everybody you know it's very very like ditzy and up in the air and all that it can be it can be really fun that energy can be really fun but it's it's um not there's there's a lack of firmness about it and when people criticize like shall we say promiscuity that's usually about a similar idea of like the, the feminine is just easy for everything. There's no 
sense of standards, if you know what I mean. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's too much. And I think girls feel this shame deep down. It's, it's very interesting that you, you can try to take it away out of society, but people still react to it strongly because it's nature, it's instinctive in some sense. And so um, you can think of like the masculine side of that, like the sort of pride that you might meet a, a girl who, who is, is like, you'd be like, oh, she's so stuck up. And you go like you know guys would be like oh she's she's so stuck up she's too she's snobby she's pro and she kind of turns her nose up in some sense and people can get annoyed about that but in some sense is that necessarily a bad thing is that her signaling that like like i have standards and you have to be good enough for me and i will like fight you with my with my masculine energy like i have this image in my head of what a great man is and when you walk up to me, I am comparing that to you. I'm comparing you to that. And if you am fail, I the image of the great you. man that's in your head? I'm most certainly like I think I, I don't know why you just don't go find find some public place and just melt all the feminine around you. Melt well, like a flamethrower. They'll be like melting the women. No, yeah, it would be, be spiritual, man. Like they'll just see you and they'll be like, finally, they'll just I'll say it. They'll just start speaking in young terms. They'll be like. Finally, my animus, I'm free. <laughs> I found the solution. We can all share Jimmy. Well, I have actually, um, I'm actually the father. Uh, they don't know, but I am actually the father of over 25,000 women at this point. I did actually learn through integrating my anima and myself and my shadow completely. I can actually now look at women and impregnate them just by looking at them in the eyes. I absolutely believe you, man. I don't think there's a shred of doubt coming from my it's, it's my colonial conquering superpower. Just, yeah, just keep, I just own keep you going now. There. Just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. So the, you have that animus that's coming up and it's, you're getting compared to it. And she, she's not going to allow you to. She's not going to allow you, like, if you're not good enough, you're, you're getting spat on, you're getting ignored. You're, you do not get to go, you do not get to pass on your genes to the next generation. It's, it's like, no, it's, it's condemning you. And so it can be sort of aggressive in some sense. People talk about stuff like the Russian stare, Russian women, like, you're being like, uh, no, they're kind of very firm. They're like, are you, are you manly mm. enough to, be, to deal with me? And then Nietzsche has a very interesting quote where he says, uh, no man is man enough to bring the woman down the woman. And that's that sort of conception here. It's like, say you come in and you truly are a free man. You truly can speak and, and have no fear. You're not speaking to a girl because you need her. You're like, I need, I need a girl as soon as possible. Please, are mm -hmm. you, would, you, would you gift me? It's like, you know, you have, you have a reality in your hands. You have individuated in this practical sense. You have space. You have authority. You have privacy. You have freedom. You own your reality. And you've presented in that way. And then the animus is now filled and it sort of melts. And then she becomes the little girl that everybody else sees in someone else, but doesn't see in her. And it's this sort of, I guess you could say, ideally, do you want to say it's a, it's how things work and uh, how, how you, you find that perfect partner and all that, you know? Mm, absolutely. Completely agree with you. Yes, excellent. So, this is a picture from Bioshock Infinite. It's one of my favorite games. Very archetypal game. There's much anima and shadow and self in all of those things. But this is, this is an image. The whole, one of the ideas of Bioshock Infinite is they basically deify the founding fathers as these strange gods. And it is an idea that is in this book, which is the spirit of the masculine becomes its own god. So, those, so the great ancestor is the idea. Like we look back reverently on characters like Napoleon and Julius Caesar and all the great men from the past, they become gods in this way, pseudo gods, you might say, actually, as those who set all this in motion, as those who we are in debt to, which is why when young boys look up at great men, they, they don't see a man, like they don't see the father, for example, they see that second father, the great one looking down at them. And this is what all men go through up until their fathers die or their fathers break down before them is they look at them and they see great man and the two are kind of melded together. So this is something that, um, something that Christ also hinted at as well. I thought I'd throw this in here to try and uh, smuggle some Christ in. He said Jesus that I and, the, I and the father are one is one of, the, one of his quotes, which doesn't really make a huge amount of sense. It's like, does that mean there's a Trinity? Does that mean that there's not a Trinity? Was he insane? It's like, no, what Christ represents in this myth from a Jungian point of view is the ego as a man but he's also God. So he's also the self. So he was a divine, powerful individual because he was channeling the energy of the great father. 
And of course, when he stood up against the Romans and he stood up against the scribes and the Pharisees, he channeled all of that through him. He became one with the spirit of the father, which is incredibly powerful. And it's not just isolated to Christianity either. The Egyptian pharaohs used to say things like, I am Horus. And you're like, well, the fuck do you mean you are Horus? He's like, no, I am Horus. So, and, and the Egyptians... Can I, if, can if, I read Freudian into that as well? Go on, read Freudian into that. It's just, it's just, I am Horus sounds, it just sounds very interesting. What does it sound? That I'm a prostitute? Is that what you're trying to insinuate? <laughs> Keep going, I interrupt you, forgive me. <laughs> so what Neumann would say was the Egyptian psyche, uh, and it's very insensitive to any Egyptians out there, but he would say the Egyptian psyche at this point in time, as all human beings' psyches actually, was not as self-conscious as we are today. So our ancestors looked at the world differently. So when they saw the spirit of the father, we can abstract it like they did in Bioshock Infinite, for example, go, that's a great spirit. Or we can look at Napoleon and go, he's got a great spirit to him. It's separate. Whereas the Egyptian pharaohs were like, no, I'm, I'm this, I am Horus. I'm exactly the same thing. And they took it very, very seriously. So to sort of sum up, this is the idea. So we have, we've broken out of self-consciousness now and we recognize we've got ma and we've got pa and we've got dad, daddy and mommy, you know, the great mother and, and the great father. We've gone over kind of what they're going to be. But the next part of this, as we saw in the beginning thing, the beginning sketch there, was slaying the dragon. You got any thoughts on any of this before we head on, Stefan? Um, well, I have plenty. Like, to take on the idea of Christ being both the son and the father is... Um, there was an idea I brought up in one of my own. It's such a beautiful picture. That, that's my favorite Jesus picture. It's a great picture. Oh, yeah. It's so beautiful. Like, it's, that's so good. It's, yeah. Like, what? You're, <laughs> it's funny. I'm sort of like, I wonder what he was thinking. <laughs> I, I always, always read this section in the Bible as being quite funny when he goes up to the ship. And they're like, who the fuck is that walking on the water? And all he goes is, be of good cheer. It is I. It's like that. He was, he was having a bit of a laugh. <laughs> yeah. Imagine you're like, hey, how are you doing, boyos? How are you doing, lad? They're like, oh, we're going to die. And you're like, ah, you won't. But if you don't believe me, you are a wanker. <laughs> um, see, I lost my train of thought. But shit posting. Shit posting. My you, you were talking ah, about yes. why you've turned over to the right Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Ah, yes. A few, a few podcasts ago, I brought up the idea of uh, Nietzsche's re- um, conception of uh, the God is dead thing. Getting that, that conception correct. Because a lot of people don't go deep enough into it, you know? And God is dead. And I suggested that it was the image of God. So every man has this issue where, uh, no. Okay. So we have this issue of God as this like old bearded dude. And then what happens is when we lose contact with the old bearded dude who's living up in the sky, he dies and then he falls. And then the same happened for the Romans. They had this, this conception of Jupiter. And then when Christianity comes in, Jupiter dies. And then up in this place goes old bearded dude that we call God now, the Christian God. Now, what's interesting is this image is not actually what we would call God. These are only representations of something that we, we detect in the universe. We detect order. Music has order in it. Music has laws that make it work. And if you don't obey the, the laws of music, it sounds shit. I'm sorry. It's just like the way it works. And this order in the universe is mathematically coded into music, which is coded everywhere. There's order everywhere. Everything makes sense in some sense. And um, so the image of God is almost like just a neat way to conceptualize this, if you want to think about it this way. Because, like, you know, if the society obeys God, therefore it obeys order, and it it turns into a harmonious song, then you, like, grow up as something like Rome, you grow up as, like, Christendom. Like, if you you channel the energy in that, you make a good song, everything goes out well. But if the society doesn't follow order, doesn't follow God, doesn't follow the song, it all falls apart and goes to shit. Mm. Now, this is all like abstract stuff, but you could talk about this like the divine masculine. Why? Because when you're a young man, you're, you're, really, you're really weak. You're like shit. And you're just not hard. You just don't have it in you. And it's more of a mental thing. Like you will break. Like over 10 years, you'll lose patience. You'll stop doing the right thing in favor of doing the thing that feels right. You will, you will go to the gym and then one day you'll get arrogant and try to lift too much and hurt your back or something like that. You will, you will like, give in to your vices instead of being stoic. You will, um, you will tell a lie instead of speak the truth because it's comfortable and end up uh, fucking your life up or even worse, like allowing people to get in trouble because of that, sacrificing others or reality for the sake of you feeling good, you feeling safe and all that. 
And so you start to see that there's these universal principles that you need, that you're, you need to learn to get through life. You need to learn virtue, essentially. You need to learn to be disciplined. You need to learn to be patient. You need to learn to be humble. You need to learn to be harsh with telling the truth. You need to be, learn to be harsh with yourself. You need to learn to be assertive. You need to learn to draw boundaries, create space, create ordered worlds and all this. And these become these like, these become like the laws of music for life, morals, if you will. They become like these principles that make up a juicy boyo, a juicy life. And your dad struggled through life and he found these and then they made him what he is and then he died. And you're like, fuck, what do I do? Lion King, Mufasa dies. What do I do? Dad's gone. Where's dad? What do I do? I'm alone. That's a good example. Who's going to guide me? Who's going to guide me? And then what will happen is you'll realize, well, dad's dead, but God's not. Because those principles are eternal. They're always here. And postmodernists, bloody postmodernists, man, they'll be like, no, there's no order and all that. It's like, man, if you make a shit song, it's a shit song. I'm sorry, brother. Like, you can go black pill people all you want, but there's order in the world. No matter what face you put on it, if you're some LARPing as Odin or you're LARPing as some, like, Catholic when you're, like, nutting all the time or something like that, whatever you want to do with it, it's still there. Even if you're some nihilistic atheist, it's still there. It doesn't go away because this shit's real. Doesn't, it's not about your opinion. It's not about your beliefs. It's there. And so when your dad dies, you lose all the guidance that you're getting before you're running out in the forest. You can sit there and the spirit of your father will come back up. The things that made him juicy will appear to you as God and you can just obey them. You can be disciplined. You can be juicy. You can do all that stuff and it will lift you. It will take you forward. And so when Christ says, I am the son and the father, he's personifying the eternal and therefore becomes divine. He becomes the model for it. And he did it so flawlessly in that he was like, I will not betray my words at the cost of death. Mm-hmm. You're too much of a bitch to do that. And Socrates did it as well. And you're, you're too much of a bitch to do it. And the, the people through all throughout history have given their life for you to save the state, to save the order. They will not betray truth at any point. And, and that's held everything together. And that's, like the, the masculinity in that it's like even masculinity is just a shit word like it's just this idea i think is i i believe in it so much that i think it's like it could pull everything together if you just think about it it's like i am not alone i've always got these even though it feels distant and abstract i'll always have this and it will always lead me and it'll always guide me and uh well, that's some juicy stuff please keep yeah. on yeah masculinity is basically the integrity of the individual so whereas today in our strange gender politics world, we think it's men and women against each other and men are masculine, female are feminine. Yeah, that, that is generally speaking true. But the principle behind the divine masculine is the natural law and order that governs the universe. There is always order everywhere. It will, it will always exist. It transcends us. Exactly what yes. you're saying. Men become a conduit. If they're masculine, men will become a conduit for the divine masculine. Now, sometimes they take the conduit too far and they don't stand up against it, as we'll cover in a moment. But very good points there. So as you grow older, you need to go and eventually slay the dragon. And it's something everybody's heard. And I think colloquially, we like to think of slaying the dragon as, well, I've got a mission to do. And like, you know, maybe a vice I've got to get rid of, or I've got to go to the gym three times a week. That's my dragon and I'm going to slay it. And yeah, that's a good metaphor because it's a beast that stands in your way. But slaying of the dragon in terms of myths is like the previous things we've been talking about a mythological stage in human development it's actually a a thing that you have to go through to become a masculine man or a masculine individual that's because so here's a picture of of a dragon fight the dragon is that ouroboros character we talked about last time and the ouroboros is made up of these characters here you've got the the great mother and the great father and they're sort of personified within your real mum and your real dad so if the dragon is actually made up of four little mini dragons if you like to and you've got to slay them all you could say slay the masculine side and slay the feminine side and come out as an individual on top to some degree so i'm going to break down how you kill your own mother very good very good <laughs> i see humor is not the irishman's strong point right we, know, we'll... stop that. you know humor is our strong point get out of here get out of here you know that's like you get out of here now so we're gonna learn how to kill your own mother in this particular section so the first thing you've got to do if you're going to be a hero is you have to enter into the cave something that begins everything or enter into the underworld it's the start of every dragon myth and what entering into the cave means not my words but neumann's words 
is incest with your mother uh -huh. so that means if you're going to be a real man you have to become a literal motherfucker is what that means which is why no one's a hero anymore because they don't do it right that was complete and utter nonsense but what it means is you've got to integrate the feminine within you i mean it's, it's a strange choice of terms like uroboric incest i don't know why they do it as if they're asking for flack to come towards them so it's a step towards getting the feminine to be integrated within you now the female side of the great mother is sort of twofold and this is the, probably the most pertinent one is men as they grow older are absolutely scared to death of women as we mentioned last time so this is this guy called charles here he's he's quite he's quite a butch boy he's been looking after himself he's got a nofap streak of 27 days he's getting after it and he comes across a room full of sexy women and they're all saying we want your masculine blood seed charles he's like no too scary for me no i don't know don't be taking my seed you should uh you should read erotic novels man that's the audiobook erotic novels there so that's what i want to hear from you next and um and the woman she uh no 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 his no, masculine voices. blood seed in those ways <laughs> right I'm, and then the, the, the man comes in daily day how are you doing girl do you want a bit of blood seed fucking <laughs> hellfire I then, even have no favourite <laughs> <laughs> a bit of blood seed there I remember these are targeted to women as well. So that's what I love about it. These all be female readers being like, wow, he's so sexy. He's such a, he's such a, got such a strong masculine energy. It's like, yeah, you're a crazy oh. Irish man. <laughs> <laughs> they all dream of getting banged by crazy. Okay, please go, keep banged going. by crazy Charles and getting covered in his blood seed. So men, men are scared. <laughs> Men are, men are scared to death of women as we covered last time so i'm not going to go super heavily into it but this is one of the reasons why the dragon is partly feminine because as a man grows older one of the things a man has to do just as everything as a woman has to do is to breed and pass on his genes he has that innate desire and you can't do that if you're afraid to death of women so this can come in the form and the main one is I don't want to be, oh, sorry. I don't want to be rejected now. I really don't because she, you know, she might reject me. I asked her out to the fucking prom there the other day. Sure I did. Oh, the now. prom. Yeah, the prom. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the prom. Very good. That's, that's what we say over here. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you ask a girl out and she says, no, that's the really scary part, right? Or you're, you're trying to get down to dirty business with a woman. You want to give her your masculine blood seed, but you're afraid of not giving her a good enough time or you've got ED because you haven't had a long enough nofap streak or anything like that. The woman, women are terrifying, but it's what men want more than anything else is to, is to please a woman, which is a very non-masculine thing to say, but it's built into us that we have to have a woman and breed with them. Otherwise, evolutionarily, we all fall apart. So that's something men have to come to terms with. So eventually what this comes in in the, in the form of is, uh, and the Red Pill guys actually have a really good metaphor for this. They call it frame, which is actually been hugely, hugely useful. So the idea of frame is basically defending your own masculine self-consciousness against the feminine. So if the feminine tries to, or, or, or a girl is trying to prod at you in the form of a shit test, for example, or acts in a certain way to try and get you to bend into her will and her frame, like, oh, oh I'm really sad today. Oh, you know, something like that, rather than default into her frame and go, oh, okay, I'll drop everything that I'm going to do. I'm going to come look after you now. You go, no, I'm busy. You know, it's, it's standing up and, and separating yourself out from the woman. She asks you for your masculine blood seed. Maybe you're too busy for the day. Maybe the new Grand Theft Auto game came out with the boys. That's your new initiation ritual. You know, you're not having my blood seed. So, and you decide to do something else. This is an idea of defending your own self-consciousness against yeah, I get what the you're feminine. I get what you're saying. Like, They're really, really crude, crude examples, but hopefully it, it, it comes across. It's like, this is my life. It's something that I'm doing. If I'm going to breed with you, if I'm going to have you as my wench, as my woman, <laughs> it's going to be on my fucking terms, okay? Okay, so people, so next time your girl comes up and says, like, she, she's crying, you see her, like, vi visually upset, be like... <laughs> Sorry, you wench. I'm busy. I I need to I need to keep my frame, you know, in integral over here. But like seriously though, I'm just I'm just uh, being I'm just being a little bit of a spoil sport. But seriously though, like Jimmy's bringing up like an, an incredibly essential point is that um first of all with that animus thing that I was talking about earlier, like uh, you have like she's she's looking for a man and she just wants some of these like creepy losers like you know. 
I'll do anything for you. Mm. And then you're like little Gollum or something like that. And you're just like, oh yeah, I want to put an alien inside your body. And then she's like, what? Like that'll be, I've heard people say, well, this is sort of how you'd imagine it. Cause imagine this, like imagine you pull a girl and you bring her home. And then she's like whips off her, like she's a beautiful body. She whips off her dress and it's just like this big willy where you're <laughs> That would shock you. You'd be really angry at her. You'd like, How does that fit in with this at all? If you meet a woman and she's got a dick. Well, the way you could think about it is that if you meet, uh, if, if, if a girl pulls you, like you, maybe you're, she, she's a little bit drunk or something, and you're like, she's like, oh, this guy's really cool. And you're like boasting all the time. And then you get with her. And then you, and then like a week later, it turns out like you're 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 a loser. You're actually like that was all I don't know tricks or you, you somehow it was a mistake on her part. It turns out you're weak. You know maybe something bad bad happens and you cave underneath it. And so she suddenly starts to think, oh my god, I've let this 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 weak guy impregnate me. He's gonna put a ba- an alien in me, this little mm. gremlin in me. What have I done? And so it's the same type of thing. It's like oh my god, what you were you were one thing. You were this masculine ideal, and boom, you've now flipped genders just at the wrong moment. Just after it's been too far, you've, you've, you've impregnated me, you, you evil. Maybe like if it's only sex, but symbolically you think about it. if it's um, contraceptive sex and all that, but sim- symbolically it's there. And mm. that's the type of energy that's going on. And so that's the test. It's like the animus thing is like, all right, are you good enough? Are you worthy? Are you strong, divine masculine? Are you juicy? Are you juicy? Mm. Are you up to, to scratch and all that? And when you... Um, when you when you, you have a strong enough sense of self and you're not necessarily doing it, there's like not that need. It's like, I need, I need. You have that. You um, melt that away in some sense and you are then the one setting the agenda. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You're, like, you're the one who decides what's happening and all that. And she has the pleasure of being taken on a journey. And that's, that's I guess the setting the things in order, but that's something that men have to do in, in a large sense. And that's that's a that can be a hard thing for a dude because it means perhaps saying no to this girl that you want so bad, you know? It it and like like what you're saying, it might be it's not about pandering to everything, it's about being like no boundaries. I will lead. I'm not gonna like leave you in the corner crying, but like at the same time, don't be whining over nothing at the same time. Th- this sort of thing. I really I yes. get what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, and that's actually a really good balance of what you're saying. <clears throat> because rather than calling her a foul wench and sort of and sort of running away, there is a level of sensitivity that a man should have, and that comes from his, his anima. So when Jung says that a man has a feminine side too, and it is that anima idea, so a man should have an integrated, which is why you enter into the cave, you go down into the depths, you become part of the depths. You should have an integrated masculine and feminine parts to you. So in this scenario, it's the masculine part, because if you're just a man, you're just a fleshy little boyo, and no one wants to touch you, right? But, but if, you ha- if you channel the divine masculine within you, then suddenly she wants your masculine blood seed. So if you're connected to the divine, that's what makes you sexy and attractive to a woman. So what is the consequence of not doing this? Well, you get castrated, which is what we hinted at last time. <laughs> you, get, you get psychically castrated. And what this, so you can imagine the male genitalia, right? So and in Stefan's case, you'd have to imagine the male <laughs> genitalia. He sees a lot on the internet. Yeah, but yeah, you, that's, you, that's you can see what it, what it does. It, it engorges itself with blood and it goes out into the world and looks for a place to conquer, if you want, or a place to rest in. It's out there seeking. But if you cut it off, you lose that instinct within you. So it's almost like the biology reflects the masculine spirit. So if you don't come to terms with that and you don't learn how to deal with human women properly, then you, don't, you lose that ability to go out into the world and use your masculine instinct. It's gone, it's cut off. And now you're just a floppy little boy flopping around. And you don't get any, you don't get any ass, as they say colloquially. <laughs> so, the, the, so we've learned how to kill your own mother and kill everyone else, and kill all the, all the women. Oh, this has been great, man. Yeah, this, this, this is definitely <laughs> going to come back to haunt us. Go now we're going to learn how to kill the Irish now. We're going to learn how to kill <laughs> the great father. Oh my Jesus, Lord almighty, what is going on here? So, so, so what is the great father? Because we've been concentrating on the last, this video and the last one a lot on the great mother because it's very interesting. Neumann also wrote a separate book called The Great Mother. He seemed to really like it for some reason. I think Freud would have some choice words for him. But the great father is really important too because we've been praising the masculine an awful lot in this and it's very good because both, you know, masculine and feminine are both very, very good. You need a mother and a father, right? But the masculine can go too far. 
And so this is quite a famous like woodcut engraving of a really vicious punishment. It's called, yeah, it's called the saw. They would hang you upside down and sometimes the right way up as well. And they would just saw you in half. Jesus and so these Lord. were usually punishments for high treason, regicide or attempted regicide, trying to get rid of the, rid of the king. And you could say that that's a, a legitimate attempt to stop people trying to kill the, the king. And that makes perfect sense. But the idea here is the law and order of the masculine can go too far where it becomes tyrannical. And so this is where the great father also needs to be slain because it can also step out of line, right? We'll have a, have a good thought on that. Um, you're, yeah, you're, you're probably going to probably be related to this. So this is some, I think it's pictures from the Red Army anyway. That's what Google should have, should have told me. The Red Army is a good idea. So you could be standing there in Soviet Russia and your families are all being kicked off to the, to the gulags and there's Trotsky or whatever up in government going, we have to spread communism to the rest of the world. And you don't really believe in all of this because it's destroyed everything. You know, you look back on, you look back at the past, you look back at photographs from your past and you think to yourself, times were better. You know, if times were hard, because times are always hard, but times were better than they are now. We're not dying of starvation and being thrown into prison and being hung and all kinds of things for no good reason. So what do you do? Now, if, if you, sometimes the masculine can get too strong that you join it. And this is the point. Rather than be a balanced masculine man and stand up against it, like a Christ figure, you and say no. Even if it gets rid of your life, then you just become part of it. So all these people lose all their individuality and they just join the ranks of Soviet, communist. We're all comrades, pal. There's no, there's no updating to the system whatsoever. And you just fall in line with that. And this can happen with any group as well. When you don't speak out in, in, a, in a group, if you're too shy, if you're too afraid, then you've fallen in line with the group order. You've Whoa, identified with the divine masculine. So that's, that's also going to die. That's such an interesting frame because you can think about it this way that um like you know stalin or even in america right now you have the the kind of the the order the kind of way things are working and um and they have the, like they have a lot of power you know there's a lot of power within centralizing this big alpha gorilla and you can go against that and get crushed you can go against that and say no i will not and you can get destroyed like christ was or like socrates was or, or like anybody who went through the gulags was or like anybody throughout history all our ancestors did this and um, so you can go through that but the most feminine thing you could do well it's not most feminine but the more feminine thing you could do is is bend to it submit to it participate in it and th there is a question like this is this is a thing where you have to be careful where you don't tell people to just be like too radical because there is a point where you have to submit to some type of higher order like you have to, you have to participate in the collective. Like you can't get into insane levels of individualism. It's kind of stupid. But at the same time, you're, you have to draw boundaries somewhere. You have to claim that you're outside. You have to draw, define your soul. And so like the super manly, juicy warrior who's submitting his soul to this will of this higher order, is, is that a more feminine man than this wimpy, man of speech who says i will not under any circumstances betray my beliefs even if it costs me my life like who is more that's a very interesting thought who is more manly and it's almost like there's something feminine to the submission versus there's something masculine about like sticking by the truth and all that very interesting thought very very interesting thought yeah it's it's something like allowing the divine masculine to completely possess you so that all of your actions are what the divine masculine is doing so I completely get your frame and you can, you can definitely frame it like that. Neumann's idea is more, um, there's a, as we mentioned earlier, that participation mystique idea where you identify with something outside of you. It's not quite to that level, but you allow it, you, you allow yourself completely at the expense of everything else of you to just become a mouthpiece. So even if things are tyrannical, even at the expense of your own creativity, that's the point because an artist, for example, who just belongs to the state without any kind of thinking outside the box, no dreaming, nothing, He's just possessed by it. Then, then he can't be an artist per se. You have to have that, that level there. So of course the answer here is, well, the question is, do you speak up or do you fall in line, even if it gets you killed? Uh, and this is, this is to go with the Mufasa uh, metaphor again. Like that's an interesting film because they frame Mufasa as the good guy and then he dies and then, spoiler alert, and then uh, what's the, the name of the kid? Uh, Simba. Simba runs, runs away. And then Scar takes over. But you can also imagine it this way, that 
like imagine if the kingdom the the pyramid the dominance hierarchy the top lobster is is scar from the start and you are like think of how lions work like what will happen is a lion will take over a harem of of uh, lionesses and then they'll go off and do all the hunting and he'll just chill out and be like the genetic uh, seed and it forms that little like pyramid and he he's on top of it so he has all the value he has all these lionesses around him and then he'll have these load of baby lions and then they'll grow up and turn into little simbas and then he'll be like fuck off out of here you cowboy like no no room for you here you're too big now i've i've done enough and so he'll kick them out and then they'll go wandering and they'll go find other lion hierarchies, other lion tribes. And they're these young, juicy lads, and they'll start challenging the leaders. And so these old guys who have established themselves, these, they will be inside these hierarchies. These new kids will come in and fight them, and then they'll kill them because they're usually more experienced. But every now and again, a young dude will kill the old guy and take over and, and take over and re, rejuvenate the energy. A very rootless way to keep lions healthy but that's how it's worked and so that's that's what goes on you have the outsider going against the the lions and please by all means check this up i could be completely wrong about that like that that's probably like a complete wrong violation yeah absolutely no idea i think it was something like aren't aren't women quite dominant in those groups like women are the ones who go hunting they do most of the work but the lion dude just sits around and being being lazy like he sleeps like 22 hours a day has sex for another for another hour and then eats all the food that they bring in. It's a very, very interesting arrangement. That's pretty good and, life, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Well, like, let's, let's hope you're reincarnated as a lion, man. There you go. Yes. Um, they be good enough to the divine masculine. You never know. So you're, you're in this situation. You gain access to this. You have to fight to get that privilege, though. Like most of the lions, the young lions will die. But you can look at it in some sense that like these lions, obviously personification of the divine masculine, whatever you want to call it. Um, this... The state is like the state of being, the little pyramid that the lion is part of is made up of this like masculine energy, right? And you as a young lad are outside of it by necessity. You have to be. You don't get to just, people don't just give you access to the hierarchy. You have to earn your way into it in some sense. And so you get faced with a moral dilemma. I think this is what was represented of humanity that makes us above the beasts, above might, might makes right in some sense is that you could look at your hierarchy and say to yourself is that one getting led by the divine principles is that one is that one following justice and order is that a good song and if it's a good song then maybe you can say to yourself i will participate in that because it's following divine masculinity as, as i understand it it's moral if you will whatever you want to call it but then if you can also look at it and then face that dilemma okay, no, it's, it's not moral. It's not following the divine principles. It's, it's evil. It's an evil pyramid. And that'll be very, very hard because then you'll be the outsider like the lion coming in and trying to interact with this thing that you fundamentally disagree with that you'll have to ma- maintain your individuality. This is where you'll probably need Captain Jay over here to give you a bit of inspiration to realize that, oh my God, this is going to be hard and lonely, but this is the, how I have to do it. And so you become like the lion coming in trying to update the game, steering it back to God, steering it back to the divine principles. And this seems to be uh, like this seems to be how it works. You have this constant updating. You have Set. You have Scar who takes over the Dark King, and then you have to like Simba has to overcome him. Like take take for example, we also we were very hard on the 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 Russians. Like we don't mean to be. Like we we're more we're more about like the Bolsheviks were monstrous, and they they took over and they established this pyramid, this hierarchy. And then they took over and they, they, they did terrible things to the Russian people. But then over a, an extended period of time, the Russians began to wrestle control back off them. And you could say it may not be perfect. I don't understand the politics of that over there. But almost like Simba, their collective spirit, pulled the energy back off the Russian or off the Bolsheviks and reestablished uh, an ordered kingdom that's at least in a better direction, you know. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a very interesting thing to think about because people like Solzhenitsyn had to suffer and then reconstitute what divine masculinity what divine principles are and then stand by his words and actually put the the word out there in a in a positive way very interesting thought and then to bring that finally back to where we are in, in the west like are we seeing our pyramid drift away from the divine principles such as free speech and how serious should we be taking that where do we stand in that regard yeah because every single time that you um be quiet for the sake of pleasure and comfort 
those are those are temptations from the great mother to return back into the Ouroboros. So let that sink in next time you want to cuck. <laughs> so we've gone back to these to this this schema as we close up this wonderful video. So we've we've covered the four different components, if you like. So you've got human men, human women, uh, divine man, divine woman. So this is what happens. So if if you if you cuck to the divine masculine, if you cuck to the state when it gets too tyrannical, if you cuck to other people at the expense of your own individuality and your own creativity, you can call yourself a slave. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's included with those two, two things here, right? So the masculine is slave and no creativity. Very and, high. Sorry, go on, go on. Do you like that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you cuck to the feminine, it's these two here. So you remain unconscious. <laughs> You don't breed flashing up. That's so funny. You don't breed also. <laughs> this, this makes perfect sense. If you, if you I don't... Know it does, yeah. So fear, fear, of, fear of women leads to you not breeding and you being unconscious. You don't go out there and build yourself into a strong man. You remain at home in your safe space, suckling on your mother's teat, and it's just disgusting. <laughs> you become the archetype of the divine. No, not, not like the man child, as Carl Jung talk, talks about. So those are four warnings there for you. Slay your demons, slay the Ouroboros so that you can breed and produce the next generation. So to close this off, Stefan, we're missing something from the dragon myth, aren't we? There is the hero and there is the great dragon. But where's the treasure? If you haven't touched the treasure, where do you think the treasure is, Stefan? I, I'm assuming in a chest, in my chest, perhaps in my heart. Is that it's, what's it's inside your breast. Yes, it's just, it's just sort of sitting there. Well, you're not going to find out this time. You're going to find out next week. Boom. Beautiful How's that for people. a cliffhanger? Beautiful people. If you want to find out where the treasure is, we'll talk more about wenches. We'll um, talk more about uh, juiciness, all the various things we brought up in here. There's an immense amount of stuff. I literally, I just got a little bit Freudian and poor Jimmy towards the end, and I was just giggling the whole time. You gotta forgive me. I was I was taken by the great mother into the unconscious, made turned into a giggling wreck. But nonetheless, we hope you enjoyed it. And by all means, drop us a comment. You know, do all the usual stuff, have a bit of a banter, and uh, Jimothy, and join the patron, you degenerate swine, <laughs> or, or wench, whichever you are. Um, Jim, Jimmy, any closing thoughts on what it means to like? Because there's danger with this stuff. Like we can LARP about what it means to be divine masculine, but to actually do it, a lot bigger of a question. So by all means. These, these are interesting yeah. images and all that but like think about this as always i always chill on this be practical like think down to earth about this stuff don't get too lost up and it's like oh do i have to dream it all together like it tends to be very simple things discipline like what is telling the truth what is my relationship to patience my goals how, how much how much do i accept myself all these type of things how, how much do I, how, how much am I willing to sacrifice in order to preserve my ability, the, the value of my words? Like, will I, will I sacrifice my words, my truth, my, my, my needs or whatever in order to appease other people? Or am I going to stand by what I, what I am and, and craft myself an individual space, a private space at the very least inside my own soul? There's a few thoughts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, if you want to have a practical guide, cause it's very easy to get um, caught up in your own bullshit about, I need to slay my dragon. It's like, you don't really know what your dragon is. It's like, Oh, well I have, don't have a long enough, no fat streak. That's my dragon. It's like, no, this is what you do. Okay. So you've got four main enemies to you and four things that you've got to do. One band together with other men and have some fucking friends Two, bring some law and order to your life and speak the truth. Three, confront all of your fears whenever they come up and get over your insecurities. Four, bang lots of women. The end. Or, or, or to go, I want to be more Christian in the other one. Get over your fear of women and become capable of being a good father to the son or the daughter of another woman. Cause, cause, a, cause a woman to melt into your frame just once. And I think that will do enough for you. Yes. There you go. Beautiful, beautiful words. And with that, I think we're done. Okay, right. Bye-bye, people. Bye-bye, people. Bye-bye. 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 Oh, Lord. All right, I'll take this later. <laughs> <laughs>